I really want to celebrate Penelope Spheris. I really do. She's a documentary and film director, a woman in what certainly in the earlier years of her career was a man's world, breaking through with important documentaries and directing Hollywood movies too. She's a success on her own terms, or rather on the industry's terms. And tonight I'm going to talk about one of the um, documentaries that she produced, the three Decline of Western Civilization documentaries, particularly the first one, the one about punk, American punk and specifically, is thought of as being very important, and rightly so. But inevitably, that's not going to be the one I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about the second, because that is the one that has caused the most furore. That is the one that I suspect has made the most money, although it's thought that it didn't make its budget back, but I would dispute that. Certainly considering the amount of people who watch in a cult way. And it's also the documentary that Dave Mustaine, among others, has implied was one of the reasons for the death of the glam metal um, genre. So I'm going to talk tonight about Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years. Because there are some real issues with it. First of all, I want to be honest and I want to say that I am a hard rock and metal fan. Was growing up, still am, love a load of different kinds of music as well. But hard rock and metal is what I write about. It's what I review for a variety of magazines. And glam metal, sunset strip metal, if you like, of the the type that is very popular around, you know, Motley Crue, they aren't in this movie, of course, was part of my life growing up. Their 1985 Theatre of Pain album was something I listened to over and over again. And so I have a real love for those for those groups and that music but even at the time and certainly looking back now I have a distaste for the excesses of that time this film came out in 1988 and it's right in the centre of that glam metal world and what it does very carefully and quite interestingly is that it sets up some of the older rock gods so the ones who have made it so You've got Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons from KISS. You've got the Toxic Twins, Steve Perry, Steve Tyler and Joe Perry from Aerosmith. You've got Lemmy, filmed against a cityscape backdrop. LA backdrop, I suspect, seeing as he was living there. And then you've got the younger Tyros. And that's where the stuff is most interesting. Because these are people who really want to make it. And there is a section in this documentary where talking heads from each band are interviewed. What if you don't make it? I will make it. What if you don't make it? I will make it. What if you don't, but I will make it. Over and over again. 
And that's part of, this is not exactly about metal and glam metal and all these people thinking they're going to make it. This is part of the American dream. And that's what is not talked about, I suspect, when looking at this documentary. Because yes, we can say, okay, they talk about an awful, um, an awful response to women. They talk about drugs and drink. They talk about making it. But the reason why they're there is because there's a belief in the American dream. And that is one of the things that is lacking from a discourse about this movie. So let's talk about the obvious issues with this movie. Anyone who sees Chris Holmes, the then guitarist for Wasp, sitting in an inflatable um, pool lounger in his pool, drinking from a bottle of vodka, saying, I'm a full-blown alcoholic, I'm a happy motherfucker, sorry, mom, as his mother sits and looks on disapprovingly from the side of the pool. Anyone who hears the talk about the way that these bands used women for money, for sex, anybody who hears these kind of pronouncements, be they actually honest or be they puffed up for the camera, cannot fail to dislike these people. It's a frat house. It's male, generally. We do have some members of female uh, metal bands like Vixen talking, but really, they are not given that much time. So it's mainly focused on the male bands who have a certain attitude. And you know what? There is a a line in publishing, in, in paper publishing... The newspaper game, if it bleeds, it leads. And that doesn't just mean if it's a a pile upon the road, it leads. It's all about what's the most interesting, titillating, basic story we can tell. And the most interesting, titillating, basic story we can tell is that these people are never going to make it. You can laugh at that. You know they're not going to make it when they tell you that they are. They drink, they take drugs, they have sex with women, they have terrible attitudes, they have an absolute belief in themselves, and that is the basic interest here. This is not really about the music. We see bands playing, and they're all pretty much of a muchness all the ones that are coming up. At the end, it's interesting that the last band we see in an extended way are Megadeth, who are a different kind of band. They say they're a different kind of metal band, and they are. When Dave Ellison tells us, you know, this is more um, technical music, you need to keep your wits about you, and there were massive drug issues in that band, so I know the irony of that, but yes, he's right. It's a lot different to the music that the Tyros play, even the ones that broke out slightly, like Poison, like Faster Pussycat. So, there are several ways you can look at this movie. It's funny. If you have the word hubris in the dictionary, 
a picture of the decline of Western civilization in the metal years would surely be next, next to it. The hubris here is palpable. I'm going to make it. We know you're not. So you can look at it on that kind of, aren't they funny saying what they say? Aren't they ridiculous? They aren't going anywhere. And you know, as Ozzy says, be careful what you say to people on the way up because you're going to meet them on the way down. Well, some of these people won't even go up much further, but they'll certainly come down. And the way they've treated people will be a karma situation. So you can look at it like that. Or you can look at it as a fan of the music and the interest of the glam metal movement. Led, of course, as I said, by Motley Crue, but so many other bands coming out making money. Being a success, you can watch it for the music and think, I remember them. I remember London, as they say, a band famous for the people who've left to go on to do better things like being Guns N' Roses, for instance. You can enjoy it that way. But there's more to it than that. And there are things that we miss. Now, Spheris has admitted that one of the scenes with Ozzy Osbourne, which is a fun scene, or a fun, uh, whenever he's talking, it's cut in, he's in the kitchen, boiling a pot of water for no particular reason, making an omelette, um, pouring orange juice. And one of the parts of that scene was um, fabricated. But it's not about the scenes that were fabricated. It's about the way that this was cut. Because you want to have the biggest bang for your book. And you want to make money. And Penelope Severus wants to make money. And the companies want to make money. So when there's an extended discussion or section about drugs and most of the bands are saying I don't do drugs the ones that are coming up or the ones that have been there like um, Aerosmith Tyler and Perry saying I got sick of being sick I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of this or there is some dispute around 88 whether or not they were completely clean but they're saying they are and then you get um, Ozzy Osbourne talking about how ridiculous it is to take drugs and he said these kick drugs and Penelope says, and do you feel better? He says, no, cut. He's about to say something else, you can tell. But no, that cut needs to be there. And you can cut whatever you like. The editing here is fantastic because it provides a certain kind of movie. As are the questions that are asked by Spheris. Nobody talks about are your influences in the blues what do you think about the music industry at the moment? The questions are, how many girls have you had today? Why do you like to go out on stage? Who pays for your dinner? How many drinks have you had? When things get really serious, and this is a high point of the movie, when she feels, I suspect that she has to talk to Chris Holmes about his life, with his mom sitting there, remember? Why do you drink? I don't like to, I like to get away from the person I am, he, he says, and that's not quoting him directly. But Sveris pushes, why is that? Why do you feel, why is that? So much so that he ignores her by pouring a bottle of, of vodka down his neck, saying, watch this. 
She continues so much so that he has to slip off the inflatable into the pool to literally escape from what she's saying. And yes, for those people who use the word, I literally fell to pieces. The way I've used that, that is literal. Okay. So the questions you ask and the way you edit this shows a different kind of movie. You can point this movie in all sorts of ways. And what we also don't get is the LA scene at the time, the sunset strip scene at the time. You get a really interesting short mention about how bands do it, where we all go out and we get our flyers and we go out and we give our flyers to um, to fans, to men and women, mainly women. And there were loads of other bands doing it. Yes, there were. Every telegraph pole, every pole, every wall, every door had dozens and dozens of flyers from bands. And what it doesn't tell you is the hothouse nature of that area of LA for that particular style of music at the time. The feeling generally that people are going to make it. We are going to make it. Bands like Odin, who have been held up as the ridiculous apotheosis of hubris because we're going to make it. I'm going to make it. They're interviewed early on in a hot tub, which they say was Penelope's idea. It's disputed, of course. And say, we're really close to making it. We've got a million dollar check and we can't cash it. That's how it feels. We're going to make it. Later on, she catches the singer and says, we made it yet. You've been signed yet. It's getting closer. But you know what we don't see is the way that so many bands were being signed. So many bands who didn't have much worth were being signed. And I remember this because I was there at the time. In the music world, even then. As a consumer, of course. And you also don't get the feeling because there is a real sort of puppyish feel here. A real feeling of people enjoying their adolescence. And the excitement is what brings that out. And at the time, there was a real excitement that there's enough room for everybody and everybody will get signed. Nobody wants to be holding the ball when the music stops. That would have been a better movie or a better documentary if it were pointed up. That being said, I remember seeing this movie, really enjoying it. But at the time when I watched it, when it first came out, I was laughing at the bands because I knew them. I knew who they were, most of them. And I was la- I was enjoying seeing people who are intelligent, like Dave Mustaine, Alice Cooper, Lemmy, has a real intelligence too, in a different way. I was enjoying seeing those people talk in a more intelligent way, but I was also enjoying seeing those bands who I liked, but knew they weren't going to be around for long. Yes, this music was going to be disposable. It was so hot-housed, it was bound to be. And that's what this documentary gets right to the centre of. By making the base that LA hothouse, this movie takes in some of that excitement and enjoyment. What it doesn't do is show you that that's why these people are so excited. And it also doesn't because Penelope's Furious can't, I suspect, you'd alienate so many viewers, can't say, 
Another reason why they believe in themselves, because of the American dream. I can be whatever I want to be. No, you can't, buddy, because A, you ain't good enough. B, you ain't made the, you ain't applied yourself enough. And C, you ain't lucky. Or you ain't white. Or you ain't rich. Or your daddy ain't rich. Don't let them. Don't let people sell you the American dream. Trump's doing it now. This man had a millionaire father who gave him money. That's how much he had to work for it. The American dream is bullshit. And don't let them sell it to you. That is the hubris here. And watch through that kind of prism. It becomes a different and much more interesting documentary. That said, it's a classic about the genre at the time. And it really captures lightning in a bottle. It's four and a half out of five, maybe even five out of five Ramble rating on a good day. And the other two documentaries are good as well, but nothing like this. Now, where's my Odin back catalogue compilation? Ta-ta!